Over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. We spend very little time maybe even celebrating the fact that we actually hit a certain milestone or goal and we just walk up pick the baton up again and hey there's still road i'm going to throw it further down the road and then <laughs> yeah. we put our head down and <laughs> yeah and then this just becomes a series of never ending is it good enough and i really it started to affect me in a pretty deep way because i started to feel that i wasn't really being successful even though by all the outside markers i was you're listening to the just start real estate podcast if you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. My name is Mike Simmons, and this is Just Our Real Estate. If you are new, welcome. Glad to have you. If you're a returning listener, I'm happy and thrilled to have you back. And I really appreciate that you came back. It means the world to me. I have a fantastic interview for you today. I have on the show Ted Bradshaw. He served as an executive with companies like Xerox and IBM and eventually left the Fortune 500 world uh, to become an entrepreneur and had a long string of successes that looked really awesome on the outside, right? On the surface. But underneath it all, he felt anxious, exhausted, stressed, chasing money wherever it led him and wondering why he never felt fulfilled. And along this journey, he gained tons of insights on how to, a person can achieve financial uh, fulfillment and, and personal fulfillment in all aspects of their life. And he shares all of those insights in his best-selling book, Stop Chasing Squirrels. And I just heard the name of that book and I was already interested and eager to talk to this guy. Uh, he goes around the world uh, really speaking that uh, language about fulfillment and happiness. And he's also an EOS implementer. And we'll find out more. I, I use EOS in my business, but you'll find out more if you don't what exactly that means. He's a speaker and an author, just an all around interesting, smart guy with tons of success and lots of life lessons. And I had a blast talking to him. So without any further ado, I give you guys Ted Bradshaw. All right, Ted, thank you for being here. Thanks for being on Just Start Real Estate. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm excited for this conversation. I truly am. Thanks, Mike. I am also excited. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't be happier. And it's it's really uh, fun because I know what we're... I, have, I anticipate so what we're going to be getting into pretty deeply. And uh, 
I, all of it is important and all of it is something that I struggle with from time to time, especially a new book, which we'll get into. Uh, and so I'm going to be a little bit of a, a use of this for personal gain and just ask you some questions about how I can stop uh, being so distracted. But before we do that, because I had, you know, I, I sort of cyber stalk all my guests so I know who I'm talking to. Uh, and I, I did that, but everyone else didn't do it. So if you could just give them this, the, the uh, obligatory podcast synopsis, kind of rundown of your background, who you are. We don't spend a lot of time, but I want to give them a sense of who they're even listening to right now. Perfect. So here it goes. 25-year entrepreneur, Mike. I graduated from school, took a job with Xerox and IBM. Didn't like the bureaucracy, but learned a lot. And over the course of the last 20 years since I did that, uh, six companies that I've started, four of them success stories, two learning opportunities, uh, a wide variety. Uh, started off owning a Xerox agency, a sales agency that led to a software company uh, that we were the first in North America to connect kindergarten classrooms to, through grade 12 to homes. So much to the chagrin of many students, parents could start to see what was going on. <laughs> we, that was really fun. a lot of success with that business. We got lucky in timing. 2007, we, we exited to a private equity group. Mm. Like to say that was all my crystal balling, but it certainly wasn't. Yeah. But we were, if we could be good at that, and this sort of connects to focus, we could be good at anything. So we thought that uh, video games would be pretty cool. Let's, Why not? let's build a video game. So we did that. Had a lot of fun. It was themed on uh, sports. Uh, we had a, uh, a partnership with the National Hockey League. Angry Birds came along, Mike, and they wiped us out. We went really? overnight almost. Yeah. It was like everything that we were doing was, was server-based, desktop-based. And then it went mobile, mm. and that and, and we weren't we weren't there. So it was a go big or go home type of idea. And so yep. we we ended up going home on that one. I've dabbled in real estate, which we'll talk about. Okay, got a little distracted with that for a while. Nice. And then my my last business before I started doing the coaching that I'm doing now, the EOS implementation, it, it was in. Um, Interestingly, I was terrible in science in school, but I found my way into this technology to, to diagnose cancer using nuclear medicine of all crazy things. How do you fall yeah. into this category? Like how, what, how did you find yourself there? Diagnosing cancer with nuclear medicine? You don't just yeah. wake up one day and yeah. accidentally end up in that field. Right. And I'm looking at it now. And this was also one of the learning opportunities. So maybe that's why I shouldn't have just woke okay, up. And fair enough. <laughs> it, it was it was it was serendipity, Mike. As we go through this, I'm a big believer in serendipity. You know, things happen for a reason. And I just found myself in a place uh, where I got connected to a group of scientists. They had this novel technology uh, to um, produce, you know, uh, this is as technical as I can get on it, this radioisotope that's used to see how the cancer treatments are going, right? Yeah. They inject it in you. There's a problem with, with it. There was a problem with it because they needed nuclear reactors for a long time to produce this stuff. Okay. And of course, and they also need highly enriched uranium for it, which 
has a few issues. Please tell me you didn't find yourself in the Middle East on some black market run. I, 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 I did not. Ha- I did not find myself in the okay. back of some sort of truck <laughs> with, with a cylinder. Yeah, right? exactly. And, 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 and James Bond characters, yeah. Jason. And somebody with no. a briefcase uh, handcuffed to their wrist or something. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I might adjust the story though, because that sounds cooler than mine. Uh, it, it, I didn't, it, it's, it didn't work because, uh, I also had a university attached to it and they're very reputationally risk averse. Yeah. And so they, we just couldn't get the clinical trials moving fast enough, uh, to, to get it to market, but it was a heck of a, a heck of an experience. And as I was exiting that business, um, I, uh, my wife suggested at the time, young teenagers, Let's let's try something a little less out there, and uh, and she said, you know, you like this business system stuff. You seem pretty good at it. So I explored the EOS, becoming an EOS implementer. That was seven years ago. Fast forward to today, I'm an expert EOS implementer now, and uh, and I also am a community leader for EOS. You mentioned you interviewed Gene Wickman some time ago, the author of Traction, creator of EOS. And I've kind of been a little bit following in his footsteps, the things that he has done before and he's getting tired of. <laughs> Here, Ted, try this. I think you'll like it. Yeah. He's a master delegator. So that's great. So that's, so that's what I'm, that's, that's where I spend most of my time now. And Can I, I ask you it. a question about, um, regarding EOS? And I do want to get into that because I'm a huge, um, believer, fan, and user. Um, did you use, did you discover EOS after you exited all of your businesses? Did you use any elements of that in any of your past careers? I did. I used it. Uh, speaking of Gino, he came and spoke to, I'm a member of the Entrepreneurs Organization. Mm-hmm. And nine years ago or 10 years ago, he came and did his talk to our chapter. And I was using a different business system at the time. Okay. I looked at this and I had my, my, my second in command with me and it, I was converted as soon as I saw it. In three hours, we started to work through some things that had taken us three years to, to get to. Wow. And so I immediately, I read the book and I tell you when I started using it in my businesses at the time. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. That's what led me. That's, that's what led me to it. Yeah. Okay. So for the people listening right now, and I don't pretend that everyone hears all of my episodes and does everything I say, but I've been preaching uh, the book Traction and the EOS system for years. So can you break down what what is EOS exactly for those of them listening going, guys, this is great, but I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, tell me what EOS yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're selling yourself short, Mike. I'm sure they implement everything you <laughs> say sure on do. this podcast. I have. I'm, I, I think you're, you're, you're well, not giving yourself enough credit. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, EOS, well, it stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And not to be confused with technology or, you know, the Apple iOS system. Yeah. But it's it's really a framework for an entrepreneur uh, that has an idea and is, is running a business or thinking of running a business. And they're just not quite getting what they want from it. It's, it's they're, they're, they get frustrated by nothing working the way they think it should work. The control is challenging. They're maybe not making enough money for the, for the return on the risks that they're taking. Yep. Nobody's listening, right? The people around them aren't listening. 
So EOS, it, very simple tools. I think what makes it work and what I appreciate and I continue to appreciate about it is these are simple. These are simple concepts. So you, so the, your listeners, if they haven't heard of it and they look into it, they go, well, this, this seems pretty simple. It is. It is. Yeah. But they're also timeless principles. So these have been these are things that aren't going to change because we have machine learning now. You know, Chat GPT is not going to be a well. Maybe that's, I should be careful here. Right now, <laughs> Chat GPT is not going to replace having to figure out how to deal with people, how to get the most out of them, how to get them sharing your vision. Yeah. And so those timeless principles—they've worked for a hundred years. They should work for another hundred. And here's what is maybe the the most effective part of this is it's systemized. So there are steps. It's not a, you read a book and you say, well, I, th- this looks great. Uh, we, we use a lot of Jim Collins work, uh, mm-hmm. good to great. And he, he, he coined uh, the term, you know, uh, get all the right people in the right seats or right people in the right seats on the bus. Mm-hmm. You read that and you go, that's exactly what I need. Yeah. But there's no how to yeah. right after that. Yeah. EOS is the how to. And at a high level, the elevator, the elevator pitch on it, Mike, is it, it gets the leadership team of, of, of your listeners that have businesses, it gets their leadership team all on the same page, all understanding where they're headed and also the plan to get there, using the simple tools to execute on that vision so that they're actually getting there, making progress. And then having the team become a healthy, cohesive group that works really well, well together yep. because leadership teams the rest of the, the company is watching them and they're emulating their behaviors. Yeah. And if the leadership team is healthy and they're aligned with vision and they're executing and they're focused and disciplined, they can, uh, then the rest of the company tends to fall in line. So yeah, that's, that's what EOS does. Okay. So the, I, how many, how big should a company be? Or maybe I can ask it a different way. How small of a company have you seen implement EOS? What if somebody's a, two-person company for it. Yeah. Yeah. The target market for the typical EOS company size-wise would be 10 employees to 250 working with a professional implementer or a coach. Yeah. That said, many begin self-implementing. They'll read the book. Then they'll start to, and then they can download the tools for free so they can, so I would encourage anyone, even an individual thinking about starting a business, start with it, start with the book, download a tool, get, get on the same page with yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, um, personally, I, this just recently happened. I did a, a one day, I did an annual planning session with one person with the visionary. It was like a one, I'd never done that before. Usually the leadership teams are, you know, six to 10 people. Yeah. And she had really three people in her company and um, it was extremely valuable, extremely effective. And the reason that it worked for her is she was bought in. So -hmm. she had the mindset for it. She was, you know, she believed in it. She was willing to make the investment and, and believe in the ROI. Yeah. And then she also was very growth oriented. So she wasn't going to be, she wasn't going to stay three people for very long. Yeah. So it can definitely work with smaller uh, organizations. I've had an organization of 3000 people also, which I wasn't sure, is it going to work? Yeah. 
as I've also had smaller organizations where it didn't work because of politics, because they were all sort of concerned with their position in the company and, mm-hmm. you know, the, all of that sort of yep. yeah. kingdom building mm-hmm. this 3000 person company. They were not that they were very entrepreneurial. They were very decentralized. They empowered their people. The leadership mm-hmm. team was fast moving. So it, it worked with a, with a very large organization as well. So I consistently, I'm consistently, pleasantly surprised with the breadth of companies that it'll work for number one though my humble opinion they have to have the right mindset they have to have that growth oriented open to learning coachable yeah that that that's uh that's non-negotiable as far as i'm concerned yeah i think you're right and i think starting early even if they're self-implementing is good because I think it, it's good just to put them in that headspace and understand what they're trying to do. And we know when we self-implement anything, it's not awesome. It's not perfect. But yeah. uh, then when they do have the right, you know, uh, no, I shouldn't say the right amount of people. There's no right amount of people. But when they do ha- start growing and building that team and someone like you comes in to actually um, implement the system properly, you know, they're maybe 50% of the way there, 60% of the way there. And it probably it makes not only um, more valuable to bring you in at that time, but also the people in the company are kind of already moving in that direction. It's not like some whiplash change. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it works really well. I've had I've had several organizations that started self-implementing. They they And you're right, about they do pretty good. They get 50% of the way there and and I come in and they start to see, well, this is what I do. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I can spend a hundred percent of the time on, of course, you're not going to be as good. Yep. Uh, but, but they're also, they see that with that third party in the room, it, I'm not, I'm not vested like they are. I, I like the, you know, the picture can't see the frame. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, and so I've never heard that, but I like that. Yeah. I, I see them. I see them. And, 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 when when that owner or that decision maker invites someone like me in, they're giving permission to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. I, I can call that individual out where some of the team may not feel as as yep. comfortable doing it. Yeah. It it also allows that person who has been being the implementer to not be that anymore. It actually be in the room in the role that they're in, not having to try to I've got a very small team and I facilitate our quarterlies. I know that I'm not as good as I, you know, could be if I was just being the visionary of my small yeah. little, company. Yep. Uh, so, so that also applies to, to someone to say, look, I'm just here to be me, not, not the implementer trying to figure out what part of the agenda are we on, et cetera, et cetera. If somebody were interested in learning more about EOS, is Traction the book that you would recommend or is there another, I know there's other books that talk about it. There are, Traction's the place to start. Okay. There, there is, there's something called the Traction Library. There's four or five other books now that are in the in the series. Traction is the book though. If okay. someone's interested, that go there, uh, start with Traction. EOSWorldwide.com also has a ton of good information, videos on it. Uh, there's there's blogs that they can sign up for, download the tools. Mm-hmm. So those are th- in combination, EOSWorldwide.com and, and that book okay. will we'll get them started and then they can see if self-implementation is for them or do they just, there's a directory on, uh, there's a directory on, on the website of implementers in their areas. Mm-hmm. 
And I know you'll be giving my coordinates uh, after as well. Mm-hmm. As part of my role with as community leader, I'd be happy to help somebody find an implementer in their area. Okay, uh, as they're interested, awesome. the one that might fit their yeah. style. Totally, right? and I think if I remember right, this was a few years. This was several years back, actually. When we um, started implementing, there's a book called What the Heck is EOS? And I think that's geared toward the employees more to kind of give them a primer of what's happening, you know, like give them kind of not what they need to know, but sort of what they need to know when they're, if they're not a visionary or an integrator. Yeah, yeah. So that definitely What the Heck is EOS? Typically, uh, that will get assigned reading when a company is ready to introduce the concepts to their people. Okay. And so there's, there's, and even in the book, there's some pretty clear, get this tool figured out, this tool figured mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Then if you have other people in the company that aren't part of the initial implementation, what the heck is EOS is a great way to say, this is what's coming. Yeah. It, it, it's also, um, it's good for the leadership team as well, because it's going to let their employees know what they can expect yeah. And so that means the leader is going to have to be ready to deliver on the things that are in that yep. what the heck is EOS book. 100%. Yeah. Really good book. I got a question. The person that you um you were doing the annual for, it was just a one one lady it sounds like. I yep. those annuals am I I've I've been through them uh with an implementer. It, that's a two-day thing? Is it two days typically or three? Two? Two. Okay. Two, two is two is the standard. Yeah. Was it a two full two days with her? Since it was just her, it seems like it would be a little faster than that. No. Yeah, it would be. No, <laughs> two days. I'm not sure what we'd be doing for two days. Right, if, right. If, yeah, no, it, it it was a one day. Okay. And uh, because it was just her, and it was here's the I didn't have to get eight people all on the same page. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. And, and get eight people's feedback. Like, yes. you know what, what rocks are and how you yeah. go through that process. <clears throat> yep. This was just, Hey, what do you need? What rocks? What are the most important priorities? It's just her. Right. So yep. it's, yeah. It's you know what's great about that <laughs> when you do those annuals or the quarterlies is you being kind of the third, you know, like third party or you're, you're not really in the company. It, it does make it very, you sort of get laid out you know, it's very transparent. And so if I am in there as a leader in that company uh, and I'm not really hitting my rocks, like I'm not really taking any actions that are getting me there in the company, people can maybe be nice or they feel awkward. Like you can just go, hey, I, you had three rocks and you got none of them accomplished. And it looks like you haven't hit your mind. Like that it, it is a it is an interesting but super productive thing because you don't you don't have any dog in the fight like you said you're just right. looking at what's happening and just being honest right trying to help and that does help companies move forward when people know that they're going to be held accountable very honestly like that it's really really great it is it's in it, whether it's a quarterly session or the day one of the two day annual the the really with after you've checked in right after you say hey how's everybody doing some good news around the table you go right to it okay yep. last quarter you said you were going to do this and it's a very objective mm-hmm. uh done or not done and you check you go through the checking the checking the box checking the boxes on it and the individual has to respond so this is now all of a sudden did you get that done and if they are if they're thinking well yeah the rest of their team's going like really you know is that really done <laughs> yeah and, and then you just give a calculation. So if there's, if they had, let's say 15 total rocks, right. Uh, between all six people or what have you, five people, 
Okay. Uh, 15 was, was what we said we were going to do. Your ratio is uh, seven out of 15. You got done. You know, you're at 45%. All I have to say, Mike, is, you know, our goal is 80. Yeah. And then I just sit back. Yeah. And away they go. And it's either the excuses or the this or that. <laughs> yeah. Or they own it, you know, and they go, yeah, we, we, we need to be better. Yeah. And so it usually sets them up to be better when we set rocks later that day. So how dialed in is your BS meter? Like must just be, it must be sharp <laughs> as a blade. It has to be sharp at this point. You've probably heard every excuse and lie about why they're not where they should have been. Uh, it's yeah. probably really tuned in well. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's now I've done, I think about 800 sessions, Mike. So I, I there, there's, I n- never say never that I haven't seen something. I yeah. mean, people are different, but the issues are the same. Their behaviors <laughs> are the same. Their patterns are the same. Yeah. I have to be careful though. You know, you raise an interesting question because sometimes my BS meter is, is wrong because I'm making assumptions. Yeah. And it, it sometimes I have to in the session room haven't be as open minded as I ask everybody else to be. Mm-hmm. And cause I because I can get into those patterns where I'm like, no, I've seen this before. Yeah. I know exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually right, but I, I wait. Yeah. I, I want them to come up with that. But yeah, it's That's funny. I'm usually it's it's usually pretty fine tuned. And I, and I'll often say I had a, I had two Daniel the last two days, and this team they need there's two big breakthroughs they need they need to get they need to get more comfortable with holding their people accountable, and they need to get serious about putting some processes into their business because they're they're reinventing the wheel all the time. Yeah. Otherwise, they're dialed in, and I and this is what I said to them as we were concluding yesterday. I said, you know, I wish this is my wish for you that you take this holding people accountable seriously you've committed to it in your rock so you said you're going to do it and and you also committed to some process work and here's why because mark my words the day is coming when you're going to do this and you're going to say i can't believe it took us so long yeah and and that's that's ultimately where where i see the patterns of how quickly are they going to yeah how quickly are they going to have the aha moment yeah you know yeah, absolutely. So true. All right, let's shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about your latest project, your book that you wrote called Stop Chasing Squirrels. Uh, man, I know not just real estate investors, but certainly a lot of real estate investors who are uh, guilty of this, like chronically guilty. I, I can be for sure. I don't want to exclude myself from that. But most people who have you know this shiny object syndrome where they ch- they're chasing squirrels, it's to their detriment, right? Um, yeah. And I did do a, a little bit of, of digging in things. And what I love is I love uh, how you differentiate. And this this struck uh, me and it kind of like hit a chord with me is how you differentiate success from happiness, right? There's a difference. Mm-hmm. You can be successful and not be happy, right? Yeah. But most people think success equals happiness and it doesn't. But that I'm kind yeah. of jumping around. But Tell us a little bit about this book, why you wrote it, uh, and and what ex- it's pretty self. The, the title is very good at kind of tipping your hand of what it is, right? But why did yeah. you why did you feel compelled to write this book? I was compelled to write for. I, I was compelled because I think this was therapy for me at okay. first. Okay, you know it, it, this this idea was was percolating on what is it about 
hitting and reaching milestones. And I have this in my life. And maybe this explains the six startups before I maybe landed where I've landed now to feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah. Uh, you set these goals, you know, and, and sometimes what we do is we just, we set the goal. And if we're, if we're high achievers and we're motivated, driven people, we, we, we throw this baton down the, down the road and then we put our head down and we, you know, work as hard as we can and nothing's yeah. getting in the way. Yep. And we're taught this by the way, as well. Right. Yeah. And we're taught that this is how per people that are successful behave. And what do we do? We spend very little time, maybe even celebrating the fact that we actually hit a certain milestone or goal. And we just walk up, pick the baton up again and, Hey, there's still road. I'm going to throw it further down the road. And then <laughs> yeah. we put our head down and, <laughs> yeah. and we, and, and then, and then this just becomes a series of never ending. Is it good enough? Mm-hmm. And I really, it started to affect me in a pretty, pretty deep way. Cause I started to feel that I wasn't, um, really being successful, even though by all the outside markers, I was. Yeah. So that was my original, there's got to be a better way. So I started to do the deep work on myself and I started to research because there was an, I read in the book about how it manifested itself in a series of panic attacks Mm. that were like brutal. And so I, I, uh, I started to go to work on myself to, to, to get to this place. And it was at the time, Mike, it was causing marriage problems. It was mm. causing challenges with my kids. It was ch- challenges with my friends. It, I think often it, maybe I was the catalyst that it ended up in a, in a 20 year business separation that was ugly in the end. I s- started doing the, the work with the U S and I, I started to see the inside of other companies successful entrepreneurs they they also had the challenges with their people they also had their challenges and so i i saw my i saw what eos was doing for the team but then something amazing happened as i saw these owners and entrepreneurs and visionaries get their business under control it was almost like that was a distraction for them to work on themselves Mm. and so despite them having more money than they probably need need in two lifetimes, seemingly good friendships, successful business, good people, all the rest of it, a little bit of loss when, when they, they, their identities weren't tied to their businesses. Yeah. And then it was like, Eureka, it isn't just me. And here are successful people that are struggling just like I did. So that was, that was the tipping point. I've got to write this book. I've got to write this book for, for them. That's yeah, that, that definitely hits home uh, because it is, you know, it, it is people do tie their identity to, to their business and who they are in business. And honestly, sometimes I think it's why people stay in the business longer than they should. If it's even if they're not being successful, right. We talk about successful people, but I've seen people ride their business right to the ground and they see it happening but they can't detach because it's it's what they yeah. do it's who they are right and so they'll yeah. ride that rocket straight into the ground and explode so um so what are some of the things that you talk about in the book if you could just share i know there's six pillars if you could share maybe just one or two uh to give people a sense of of, of what that looks like yeah so it all starts fundamentally it starts with with purpose and that and i know this is a very uh it's it's a ubiquitous term it means different things to different people yeah but i 
I look at it as that just because we ended up owning the business we own or the, or the station in life doesn't necessarily mean that's where we should be. Yeah. It could be our, it's a family business we took, we took over or there was an expectation to do that or ge- geographically, you know, did what lottery did we win mm-hmm. where we were born and to, in, in what environment. And so I, I, I've realized that it's got to start with, with, taking some responsibility for the, not for how successful we are and what we're doing, but literally with what we're doing. And it doesn't have to be fixed. And it, it takes some courage if it's, if it's, you, you discover it's outside of really where you want to be. And so in my research for the book and in, in the work that I did on myself, I, I realized we have to go back. This is not unlike what a therapist would do. They don't jump on the original problem you have. They start to they start yeah. to okay, what happened? Yeah. What happened in the past? And so I, I came to a, a discovery that we're high achievers are driven people. And the discovery that I found was that many of those drivers are actually not healthy drivers. They are um, they are drivers like uh, a need to to prove something mm-hmm. they are dry materialism you know the very like keeping up with the joneses yeah fear can drive us anger resentment can drive us guilt can drive us and it's there's i have it i have in my book and in, in in a workshop that i do there's a tool called the driver transformer that i teach and it gets people to think about things that have driven them and then literally what's the opposite of that of that word. And so, for example, if uh, fear as a driver, the opposite of that is abundance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's amazing the correlation to some of these negative, these. So the, it starts with getting clear on maybe we've been driven by some things that aren't healthy. And then I pose the question, well, if, if not driven, then uh, what? Well, choose to be guided because then you're in control and you're choosing to get in the car. Someone's not driving you around. Mm-hmm. And then it's an inventory of, of where we are today. And I, the tool I use for that is called the temperature check. And it's just a, an inventory of your talents, experiences, motivators, personality, strengths. Okay. That's all the things you have today. And then, so that's our present. So we've inspected the past. We're taking a close look at the present. Now, what's your future going to look like? This is where you get to, this is where you get to blank canvas. So a tool called the Y clarifier to do that. Love it. With those three, using all that material, stuff that in your backpack, start the journey. And over the course of the journey, you're going to pull some things out of that backpack. We need some guardrails to keep us on track. Though, Mike, this is where all the best laid intentions go astray. And that's where I've um, identified, I call them the six essentials, uh, mind, body, soul, nutrition, money, and relationships. And there's, there's definitions and disciplines to each one of those. And at any given time, one of them may be really doing well. Others may be not quite, you've not spent enough time and attention on them. Yeah. It does take them all and they're all interconnected. If we can tend to those things, then we'll stay on track on the journey to that purpose. And so those, that's, those are the general concepts that I talk about in the book to help keep us focused. That's awesome. I, I know so many people, myself included. I, 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 I hate it when people say, I know people and my friend of mine, like, come on, we're all dealing with this stuff, right? I, yeah. I know that I've been driven by 
fear, anger, the need to prove myself, like all those things. But let me ask you a question. It's kind of a loaded question and it's, I'm mm-hmm. maybe throwing up a softball. I'm not trying to, but if you take away, okay. So for some, I've heard of people growing up, uh, maybe dad didn't say, I love you. I'm proud of you, son. And so they're constantly trying to um, prove their worth to their dad, right? On some level in their head. And it drives them and they become successful or they're, or yeah. they're on the road to being successful. Is there any, <laughs> I'm going to ask a question that I know is going to be dumb, but is there any sense that if you remove that, that they lose their drive or they, they need that almost as fuel and, or, or is the idea to take that fuel and replace it with healthy fuel? Is that, that kind of the concept? And have you ever found that somebody just, some people are just driven by anger and they want it, they hate the world and they want to prove everyone wrong or whatever, you know, they were, they were beat up yeah. in, in school and they just yeah. had this need to prove themselves. And, and if you take that away, they inherently take, you take away their, their need to move forward. Yeah, that's a great, that, that actually is a great question. And it's, there's a lot of layers to it. Uh, the, the, the concept is that it, what we t- sometimes do, we push those things. We don't want to confront those, you know, we, why are you angry? Right. Yeah. What we, we hear this. So tell me that I can't do something. That's the surest way to get me to do it. Yeah. Okay. Why, you know, what is it that like, cause there's some insecurity in that, sure. right? Somewhere along the way, the whole idea is to not push it away. It's to acknowledge it. Cause a lot of this stuff, Mike lives in our subconscious. Yeah. That's the real, that's the real tough one to get our head around. Yeah. It, there's some studies where if, if you really look at them closely, we're really not in any conscious control of the decisions that we make. It's, it's a little bit, on the one hand, it's liberating, <laughs> yeah. but it's pretty damn scary on the other yeah, hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a great book on, um, if, for the, for those that have had trouble, you know, let's say managing their alcohol intake, mm-hmm. not, not an alcoholic, not, not to the point where it's like, you know, detrimental, mm-hmm. but just they, they kind of feel that they don't, uh, they want to cut down, right. Yep. They know it's not healthy for them. It's called This Naked Mind, and it doesn't tell you, it doesn't shame you into you're, you're bad, you shouldn't do this. It actually unpacks why we drink. Hmm. And, it, and it's like it makes it's like, okay, how it's amazing if you actually don't drink when you take a look at all the factors that are going into moving yeah. us towards alcohol. And so it's the same with the negative drivers. It's, it's just unpacking that so that we bring it into the light Hmm. and as soon as we do that something in the subconscious starts to happen where we can start to deal with it and that's where the trend that's where the transformation comes in and i think ultimately mike it's not it's got to be when the when the when the person is ready to start to strip some of that anger away that they will yeah they may still choose to carry it in their backpack for a while and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just know that it's there though. Yeah. Right. If we're aware of it, we can now put it, we can start to, you know, at least identify it. Right. That's, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that answer. Um, so real quick, I want to, I want to, you alluded to it earlier that you had a little bit of a, you chased a real estate squirrel. Uh, just quickly <laughs> tell us, tell us what that looked like and, and why that was a, maybe a mistake. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could, we could spend a whole, I, I'll drive you as fast as I can okay, on this because okay. it's, I love real estate. I love my dad. Uh, so, um, uh, th- my dad, although he was only part of my life for really 12 years, um, and it wasn't, you know, there was most of it was dysfunctional. Hmm. There were some things that like he taught me, he taught me like two or three things. Number one, if you can really count your true friends on one hand, you're a lucky man. Uh, Number two, loyalty above all. Uh, And then number three, he taught me, you know, he was in real estate and he said, this is how you build value over time. So from an early age, I was, I was in, I was uh, investing in real estate and I kind of did it the single family home, like the, the, you know, here's buy a home, rent it out, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I, I graduated uh, to bigger, bigger, and you know, I think mm-hmm. it's probably what happens. Yep. Single family home, ended up buying a, a six suite and then a 12 suite. And then the 12 suite turned into a little bit of a crack den. That's a different thing. So that kind of scarred me on, okay. on a few, but I still, all of these did very well. So despite the trouble at all, they all did very well. I, I built a 20 suite, you know, so I got into new construction. I said, I love this. So my, my lesson as I was uh, doing this and it was, they were kind of side hustles along the way, Mike. So I, that's one thing that I, for, for some of the depth that I was going into, I probably should have been all in. Yeah. If I was going to be in real estate, just, just do it yep. instead gotcha. of being the side. So the, the last experience was, and I did go all in on it. Um, it was acquiring uh, single family properties in kind of areas that were going to be regentrified, like up and coming neighborhoods, but in really great places. Okay. And the, and the whole business plan was instead of a greenfield development that's out in the suburbs somewhere, yep. why not have an inventory of a hundred properties that someone who's building a custom home could own um, along this greenfield. So that was the business plan. So it was a really a land, a mm. land acquisition play. Yep. I, I partnered with a, a very, a, a very well-respected custom home builder. And he was building at the time three to $5 million. So at upper end properties kind of one at a time. Okay. I asked him, could you do that, but build it for a million mm-hmm. and not maybe order the windows from Germany or whatever? Yeah. Absolutely. Get the same aesthetic appeal. Yeah. So, okay, great. Let's do this. So we built a show home, million dollars, maybe on half a million dollar land. That was going to be our price point. Very accessible. Started requiring a whole bunch of other land. Well, cart before the horse on it, Mike. I started getting all this land going. Um, the the person who actually knew how to build things, this custom builder, went bankrupt in the middle of it. And now I was tied to all this land that was purchased. Mm-hmm. I had got a little bit introduced to some of his current customers on the bigger price. So I was being kind of tied to that. Yeah. And then we had this show home that was half built that I didn't know anything about. So I had to finish the show home. Oh. Uh, the trades of course, weren't getting paid. So you imagine what happens then. Yep. And it, it was two years of cleaning things up and, uh, boy, I look back on it now and, um, a great idea execution yep. and, and, uh, making sure you're clear on the people you're getting into. 100%. What year was this? Business. What year frame, uh, you know, what span are we talking about? 20, 2015. Okay. So, so it was yeah, after, 20, it was after 08. It wasn't, you didn't get, that wasn't why he went bankrupt because of all this stuff. 
Interesting. No, he, he was, he was, um, and it's a shame, uh, but he was kind of, he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. I just started to get behind on, okay, I'm taking this, you know, going to take some money from this and put it over here in this project. And, yeah. You know, it's funny you know, that happens. That That's like such a common thing, but most people think of these um, contractors that are sort of like, you know, jumping in and doing rehabs on crappy homes or smaller scale. You assume that the people who are building two and three million dollar homes are like ultra good businessmen and completely buttoned up and know what they're doing. And, you know, you don't think of them as doing the Robin Peter to pay Paul. I mean, it's super common. You just assume that's on lesser houses, not on the big houses. But I guess the cautionary tale, tale here is, like you said, know who you're getting into business with. And just because it looks like they're having success on the surface because they're building these beautiful homes doesn't mean they're completely, you know, have the back end uh, properly, you know, buttoned up. Yeah, and I think there's a big difference. And of course, I don't know every jurisdiction, but I, I, from what I can see, there's if you're a commercial developer, there's some pretty hard and fast rules to follow, yeah. right? Like, it can, yeah. you know, commercial and, and industrial contracting, it's like project management, yeah. all the it's custom home building, especially. It's like, hey, it's a little bit of the wild west. Yeah. There's not a heck of a lot of regulations or yeah. too many guy too much guidance over it. Totally. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. Often often it's a guy in a pickup truck. Yep. Building the house, right? It happens all the time. All right. Well, listen, yeah. I, I, I like to talk to you all day, honestly. You're very fun to talk to, and I love these conversations, but I want to respect your time. Uh, before we go, though, how can people get a hold of you and certainly get a copy of your, your book, Stop Chasing Squirrels, uh, and, and the EOS stuff? Like, How can they just get more into your world and find out how to find these things? So Ted Bradshaw is sort of, if they Google that, they should, you know, as long as it's Terry... If, Go past Terry Bradshaw. So you're going to have to, they're going to have to, I mean, that's not me. Okay. So, so you did not win then, four Super Bowls in the 70s with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Got it. Got it. So it's, so know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I've got more hair than he does too. Not that's by true. much, but I've got more and hair. And you're in better right? shape. So there better. you go. So they should be able to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Ted Bradshaw, uh, tedbradshaw.com. Uh, Ted Bradshaw Co. on my socials is, is okay. a great place to find me. They can buy the book on Amazon. And uh, yeah, I'd love it if if uh, they kept an eye on some of the socials. We have a webinar coming out uh, middle of March, about March 15th or 17th. Okay. That's uh, going to be promoting an online course that's launching on March 27th. Okay. So if someone enjoyed the book, but isn't necessarily able to prescriptively follow everything that's in the book because it is a bit of a how-to manual. Mm -hmm. There's a supporting online course that is going to be self-paced that with a whole bunch of other tools to help them really dig into the material. So love it. And all that will be in the show notes guys, by the way. So don't, if you're on a treadmill or in your car, don't worry about it. We got you. We'll get that in the show notes. Just out of curiosity, not to put any undue pressure on you, but are you doing an audio book of your book? Are you going to record an audio? I it's done. Okay. But uh, but I, I had a I had a voice actor do it uh, so mostly for for time. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I had a friend of mine wrote a book uh, about a year ago, and he asked me to do the audio book. Yeah, which, you got a great. You do have a good voice. Well, thank yeah. you. But it, it's very flattering and 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 nice for someone to ask you to do that. That is not a fun thing to do. I don't recommend mm. it. I it wasn't a fun experience. It was a good friend of mine who I would do anything for. Uh, yeah. But I'd be hard pressed to do that again. It, it was it was grueling. So 
congratulations on having a voice actor do it. Uh, it it's not only saved you time, uh, it's not the funnest process in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gather that. Well, now you validated it. Yeah, never if you don't have to. I mean, honestly, but that's sort of hypocritical because when I when I listen to books, uh, audiobooks, I love it when the author is the one narrating it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. if they have a distinctive kind of a voice or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, it was challenging. Let's just say that. So good on you for, for summing yeah. that out. That's good. Okay. Well, yeah. listen, I, listen, Ted, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, I really do. I'm glad that you hopped on here with us. Tons of valuable stuff here. I highly suggest, I'm going to go get it myself, Stop Chasing Squirrels, because it speaks to me. I, I am I am bad about that. And, and I'll be honest <laughs> with you, sometimes you do sort of feel like, what what am I doing? I'm running all over the place. It's head down and I'm always busy. I feel like I'm productive, but does that make me happy? Like I've, I said no to a few things as a New Year's kind of like, okay, New Year, what, what am I going to do here? I said no to some things that people were shocked because they just associate mm-hmm. me with them. So uh, I get it. And this is going to be a, a timely book for me because I'm, I'm right smack dab in the middle of this mindset of I need to make sure that I'm happy in what I'm doing and not just chasing money or success or whatever that looks like. Right. So uh, yeah. couldn't be happier to have you on, man. Thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, Mike. And thanks for the thoughtful questions. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you very much. Excellent. Great luck to you this year. And uh, by the time this comes out, your workshop, your work, uh, uh, things that you had promoted here, uh, workshops and think that they can go through with the book yeah. will, be, will be right on time. So good luck to you this year. And we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Thanks. I look forward to it. All right, guys, I hope you got a lot out of that. It wasn't a strictly hardcore real estate conversation. I get that. But I think we need this advice as well to stop chasing squirrels. And we are almost all guilty of that in real estate. I know I am. I know a lot of folks that I know uh, struggle with staying focused and not getting drawn into the next shiny thing. Uh, As entrepreneurs, we are built to look for opportunities and we have to know how to clear our heads and, and sort of focus and do what really makes us happy. And it's not always just chasing the next dollar, right? So I wanted to bring uh, Ted on because he is an absolute leader in that uh, mindset. And so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know I I really did. And and I'm going to get that book. I wasn't kidding. I'm going to read it. And I think it's going to be very helpful. So there you go. Uh, Ted Bradshaw, absolute fun interview. And I hope you guys take that to heart. Stop chasing squirrels. Get out there and focus. All right. We'll see you next time.